The Holy Gospel according to John, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. I invite you to be seated. After Jesus appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, he showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes where he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished the breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me, the gospel of the Lord.
praise to you, O Christ. My mama and daddy loved to fish. And during the early years of my life, we would often get up long before dawn, pack up the car with the tackle boxes and the fishing poles, the bait can and the stringers, the thermos full of hot coffee, the boat cushions and my bright orange life jacket, sacks with sandwiches. I'd watch them expertly flip our aluminum flat-bottom John boat up onto the top of the car. Then they'd toss the outboard into the trunk and away we'd go to Lake Bistano, a swampy place full of cypress trees dripping with gray-green Spanish moss and teeming with brim and large-mouthed bass. And in the first rays of dawn, when everything is kissed by shades of pink, we'd slide the boat over the muddy bank and down into the water. And whenever I want to feel my parents' presence, whenever I want to bring them a little closer to me, all I need to do is imagine the sound of the water pinging against the bottom of the boat, the smell of brackish water and the croaking of frogs. I'm going fishing. Peter was the first one who said it. I'm going fishing. And then the other guys, six of them, chime at time and, hey, wait. We're going with you. Probably shouldn't surprise us because uh, three of them at least were commercial fishermen, Peter and then James and John, the sons of Zebedee. That's how they made their living before they started following Jesus. They were commercial fishermen. Their lives were shaped by the sounds of water and the calls of shorebirds and the smell of a fresh catch of fish. They fixed leaky boats, they mended heavy nets, they braved the elements, and so they went fishing. It was what they knew, it was familiar, it was what they had always been good at, and we like doing things that we're good at. So in the evening at sunset, they shoved their boat over the muddy bank and into the water, jumped in and went fishing but it's distracting from a storytelling standpoint. It's distracting because it doesn't fit with all of the things that have been going on in the story right up until this point. It doesn't exactly fit with Easter morning in an empty tomb and Jesus appearing miraculously to some women and the women rushing back and telling the other apostles that they have seen the risen Lord. It doesn't fit with Jesus showing up on a road in the evening of Easter walking alongside two disciples who have decided that it's all a lost cause and are headed back home to Emmaus. And on the way, they're discussing the prophets, and at their house, Jesus breaks the bread, and suddenly they recognize it's him, and the disciples rush back to Jerusalem and tell all the rest. The rest are saying, oh, hey, wait, we've seen him too. And the next thing you know, Jesus is popping into this room where all of his disciples are gathered, and he breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit, the very power and life and breath of God. And he says to them, just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. This is their call, their work now, to love and bless, to announce the good news, to bring abundant life to all people, especially the vulnerable and the oppressed. 
But Thomas wasn't there, right? And Thomas couldn't believe unless he saw it all for himself. And so a week later, we're told, Jesus pops back into this room where all the disciples and apostles are gathered. And this time, Thomas is there. And Jesus says, hey, man, see my hands? Put your fingers in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. The story doesn't fit. And then Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. And six other guys say, wait, hey, man, wait, we're going with you. You know, we're tempted to go fishing too. Now, maybe not literally. You may not be into fishing literally. But it's tempting to go back to the familiar. It is tempting to go back to what we've always felt like we were good at. It is hard going forward into the unknown. We're post-Easter people. We say the Holy Spirit is within us, that it has been given to us, and that Jesus has sent us out to continue his mission in the world. And then we say, but now what? We don't have any idea. We really don't. We say, yeah, 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 I know, I know. We have to be the good news. We've got to embody God's love in the world. We've got to right wrongs. We need to not follow the crowd. We have to be just, but also be kind. Heal hurts, restore relationships, befriend and love strangers, even be kind to our enemies. Live with joy, trust God, take risks knowing that God's going to show up. But that can be kind of overwhelming. It's so much easier to go back to what we used to do than to risk taking on something unknown. The COVID pandemic, I have been told for the last two years, is our perfect opportunity to become something new, to embrace the unknown, to live into the future. And we have made a few changes along the way, but here we have also been looking back. Two, it's so much easier to look back. Prime timers, remember prime timers, the luncheon for people over 50? We used to get so many people down in the fellowship hall once a month, and you know, Linda Schrader would cater the amazing feast, and people would bring stuff to share, and, and they had a program, and it seemed like everybody was showing up for prime timers. And then COVID happened, and now no more prime timers. And there was Saturday's breakfast. We did that for 10 years before the pandemic hit. And then we suddenly had to put a note on the door and just said, sorry, folks, you know, we're closed. And we lost touch with everybody. And then after a year and a half, you know, this last fall, we've done everything we can to bring it back. We have worked so hard. And people, new leaders, stepped up to take over for those who had been carrying the load for so long. And I mean... Talk about pumping passion and energy and time and effort into a program. And they've done everything humanly imaginable to, to make that program grow. And we have this wonderful fellowship of friends, and there's intimacy there we didn't used to have. And we know the people who come more deeply than we used to know them, and those are successes. We have, uh, we have a quality of relationship that we didn't have in days past necessarily, but not very many people are coming. And there are a lot fewer volunteers. 
and we've lost some leadership at the top. And so we've had to decide that, you know, uh, sad as it is to say, we're going to close down Saturday's miracle once more. The end of May will be our last Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be our last official breakfast. And it's kind of heartbreaking, but it's also just a sign that, you know, we can't necessarily go back that with this COVID thing, we have to push forward. Sunday school isn't what it used to be. You know, we're doing what we've always done, but we're doing less of it. Maybe it's not what God needs us to do for the world now. Maybe we're just trying to make ourselves comfortable. Holy Week services, I don't know. It has been so hard in recent years to pull off Holy Week service, especially Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. We just don't have as many people available as we did in days gone by to make all these services happen. And they're traditions that rely heavily on lots of volunteers and participants. And so we struggle, and it's difficult, and it's frustrating. And yet we think, well, is this maybe not what we need to do? going back to the old ways. Maybe there's something different calling us forward. So now what we do? We fished all night and we've caught nothing. And it's discouraging and frustrating and disappointing. And then there's this man on the shore. And he calls out to Peter and the guys in the boat. And he says, Friends, haven't you any fish? Are things not going the way you hoped or expected? Try casting on the other side of the boat. So they cast their nets on the other side of the boat, and all of a sudden there are too many fish to haul them in. They have to drag the net behind the boat as they paddle their way back to the shore it makes me wonder, where is Jesus inviting us to look? What might we need to change? What does God need us to do? A place to start, maybe, is to look at what God is already doing all around us and in the world out there. And then to begin with the needs of the people right here next to us. As soon as the nets are full, the people in the boat figure out suddenly, hey, that's got to be Jesus. And he has their full attention. And there is a change of direction in the story. All of a sudden, we go from all this commotion and action and activity and spectacle, and things get quiet and dim and soft and intimate. And there's just a crackling campfire there on the beach with some fish and some bread on the shore at dawn. Food broken and eaten. Warmth of Jesus' voice. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Recording in progress. Take care of my lambs. I need you to take care of my people. If you love me, you'll pick up where I left <laughs> It's a call to a life of basic and simple things. 
love, forgiveness, kindness, service. But it's also an invitation to join the most incredible adventure ever. Following Jesus means being surprised every time God intrudes on the ordinary. And it means witnessing the difference that grace can make. Life with Jesus, in the words of Joy Moore, is as unpredictable as fishing all night and catching nothing, and as intimate as a breakfast on the beach with a friend who knows how much you love them. Amen.